As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Oh, got it, got it, got it! 33! Center field, Marsh leaps, and he got it! Normally, high fly ball, deep left field. Oh, 27 does it again for this year. Wall sends it well out to left center field, and it's gone. He went to Jared. Way diving catch, Jalen This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels baseball. You listen to All Angels podcasts. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. And it is over. Finally, the Angels are able to put a W on the board and light that halo up after losing 14 straight games. We are recording this literally minutes after the Angels win over the Boston Red Sox to at least get a game in this series and more importantly, break the losing streak. We're going to go... Uh, game by game, but it feels different already. Uh, you can tell this streak was really starting to pile up on the guys as far as pressure. You see guys swinging at pitches they normally don't swing at. You see guys making mistakes in the field they normally don't make. And now that this victory has finally happened and the weight is off their shoulders, two things you need to get healthy, being the biggest one and need to get back to that fundamental defensive baseball that they played when they were winning games. You know, a lot of these games in this series, especially the Boston series came down to one or two plays. Every single game was a one run loss for the angels until Thursday night when they were able to go yard twice. So these games this last week, were very winnable if one or two things go differently. So they're not far off. Now, like I said, now that they have been able to exhale now, hopefully this kind of puts them in the right direction because the schedule doesn't get any easier going forward. Now I'm going to play the Mets on Friday to Sunday, and we'll get to the probables and the pitching matches up later at the end of this podcast. But I want to talk about this series first against Boston. And like I said, every single game until Thursday night's game was decided by one run. And it all started on Monday night when Boston and LA uh, Anaheim, I don't know why I call them LA. I usually call them Anaheim um, squared up with Noah Syndergaard on the mound for the angels. And I kind of mentioned this on the last podcast. I expected Noah to come out. A, he plays, he performs really well at home. The numbers show it. And B, it seems like every single time he has a really bad outing, he kind of 
turns the page and is able to perform very, very well the next time out. And with his subpar uh, start out in New York, you knew that you were going to get something good from Syndergaard in this game on Monday. And that's exactly what happened when Syndergaard went six innings, giving up five hits, only one run that ended up coming in the uh, second inning. But unfortunately, that is all the uh, uh, Red Sox would need because they were able to shut out the Angels. Angels were only able to get three total hits in this whole game, and two of them came in the first inning from Trout and uh, and Duffy. No, Otani. Sorry, Otani and Trout. Um, Duffy was the other uh, base hit later in the game, but they were just not able to get anything going offensively this game. And like we mentioned before, you know, with this losing streak going on, you already had Taylor Ward on the IL or was going to be put on the IL. I think he actually was on this, in this game or after this game. Um, he was a huge factor in this offense, and I don't think that is getting played up nearly as much as it should when you talk about the offensive struggles of the Angels. When the Angels were winning and on that great start of the season, what were they doing? They weren't, you know, going station to station or going, you know, hitting singles and bunts and moving people over. They weren't doing that. They were going, they were hitting home runs. They were getting guys on base and then they would hit home runs. They were leading the league or close to the leagues in home runs. They were up there with slugging percentage. They weren't up there in sack bunts. They weren't up there with moving guys over because it's two on and no outs. I understand when you feel that nothing's going right, you need to change something. But at the same time, when it's proven that it's worked for them, again, in the beginning of the season, and that's who they are, I never understood the idea of, hey, let's change it completely up and do something that we didn't do all year long and now expect our guys to go from maybe a power, a hitting power mentality that worked for the first two months of the season. And now let's change it for two weeks. These guys haven't been really probably even working on that. And now you want them to do something that's totally different. And I get it. Fans want to see something different. Fans want to see something change. But at the same time, that change has to come in the, in, inside the, the circle of what these guys have been working on doing. Yes, bunts can move guys over and maybe spark something but so can base hits and that's the biggest thing you get it it hasn't been for a lot of this for a lot of this stretch it's been guys in scoring position striking out pop fly uh double play you know for the most part sack bunts aren't going to score guys yeah they move them over to second base or third base or whatever but at the same time the angels have yet to before before thursday proven that they can get that crucial base hit to score the guy so yes it's great to move them over but you still need to work on putting the bat on the ball and getting a base hit now because a lot of times yes a guy's over at third base but there's two outs now and you need a base hit so I was never a big fan of guys wanting to push bunts over and push guys over because just because that's not how this team was built it's not how this team won games in the beginning of the year so that was a huge thing that kept on popping up I felt during the series so Angels end up losing uh, Monday night uh, 1-0 to Boston. Little did we know at that night was going to be Joe Madden's last game as Angels skipper. Now, I did put up a, a, 
a podcast out that next day on Tuesday when it came out that Joe Madden was out uh, as a as the Angels uh, manager. I put out Tuesday night during the game, and you know a lot of stuff has come out since then, and there was little talk about it during as far as the disconnect between you know the analytics part of the game and um, maybe Joe not really wanting to do that and you know and i understand a lot of people are older fans and they remember the good old days of when you know a sack bunt meant something and you know hit and runs did something now you know people can hate analytics all they want and i completely understand it because it does get a little complicated and it takes the i don't know maybe the fun out of the game but when you have numbers that support the moves you make i don't know how you can fight that and i think Joe Madden's type is definitely a dying breed in baseball. And whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, I, you know, I guess for each their own when it comes to that. But it's not necessarily proven that an old school manager can do what Joe did as far as, you know, or wanted to do as make a contender out of a team with, you know, good talent. I, I think top heavy talent, but definitely needs work other places. You look at the teams that have old school, quote unquote, old school type managers right now in Major League Baseball. Obviously, the first one that comes to mind is the Astros, the Angels constantly chasing the Astros. But that is only because Dusty Baker has evolved. Dusty Baker isn't the same Dusty Baker when the Angels played him in the 0-2 World Series. He has evolved, which I, again, go back to the Madden thing. I don't want to keep on beating a dead horse, but this is kind of the thing. Madden never evolved. I feel Dusty has evolved and used analytics. The The Houston Astros is one of the most advanced analytic um, teams in baseball when it comes to not only on the field stuff like during the games, but also scouting and player development. So Dusty Baker might be a quote unquote old head, but he definitely isn't managing like it. He is taking the analytics and plugging it in where it needs to be. And you see the success that the Astros has had even before, you know, Dusty Baker was there as manager. The other, you know, old school manager that is still around is Tony La Russa. And you've seen the struggles the Chicago White Sox are having. And granted, they have injuries just like the Angels. I think, you know, if you if you don't count the Angels as far as, um, you know, being probably one of the most injured teams or at least having some of the most valuable injuries, you can definitely say that about Chicago. They're missing a lot of a lot of guys and they've missed a lot of guys. But you talk to Chicago White Sox fans or Chicago people, people around Chicago White Sox baseball, and they'll say the same thing, that they feel Tony La Russa is holding this, this team back. And Tony La Russa is a gut kind of guy. And you saw it on Thursday when, for whatever reason, He's up in the count one, two to Trey Turner, I believe, and he intentionally walked him. I don't understand that move at all. Max Mun- or not Max Muncy, Justin Turner, I believe, comes up next and hits, or maybe maybe it was Max Muncy. Next guy comes up and hits a home run. So Larusa, again, old school guy, isn't really doing the job in Chicago. And then you have Buckshaw Walter and the Mets that will come to Angel Stadium this weekend. And he's benefiting from a payroll that is astronomical compared to any other team in baseball. So much so, the owner has its own level in the luxury tax. So he's benefiting from that, and it's still a long season. We'll see how long his uh, old school ways 
uh, go with the Mets and time is still early when it comes to that. But I never understood why people held on to such the old school way of playing baseball when there's so many so many things that prove that that's not how games are won nowadays. So hopefully with the dismissal of Joe Madden and Phil Nevin coming in a little more fiery, a little more emotional. And it's funny too, because I remember when Joe came to the Angels, a lot of people were saying like, oh, he has the fire. He's not social. He's not going to just sit there and bitch and moan, but not do anything about it. He's going to get up there and argue for his players and get his players back. And as this seemed over the last year and a half that that very, very rarely happened. And you never saw him. It was always towards an umpire, which you understand. But I very rarely underst- seen him fist pump or get excited in the dugout for something that went well for the Angels. It seems like anytime he got emotional, it was because something went wrong. And Phil Nevin already, and small sample size, but already has shown very, very good or very like motivational kind of emotion in the dugout. And that proof to me was in the Tuesday game. So his very first uh, opportunity to be a manager for uh, any kind of major league baseball team. He previously managed some uh, minor league teams as he worked his way up, um, you know, through the paces and, and, and put his time in. But he also spent time in New York before he came here. And if he's able to learn things there and able to, you know, Aaron Boone, a good young manager. You see what the Yankees are doing right now. You know, if he's able to bring any bit of that, you've seen Aaron Boone too get emotional and, and you know, uh, emotional with his players and, and umpires, stuff like that. So maybe Nevin's a little bit like that as well. But one of the things I saw in this game was in the uh, top of the fourth with Jose Suarez on the mound still and getting himself into a little bit of jam. He had two on or no, two outs with one on in the top of the fourth. So many times Angel fans have been used to Joe Madden walking out there, pulling them, giving the relief pitcher that last out. Sometimes it works out, and sometimes that relief pitcher you know, uh, gives up a run. But how does that young, again, Jose Suarez, very young, how does that young starting pitcher react to getting pulled in that situation where he – might feel the pitcher might feel like he can get out of it. I loved how Phil Nevin in his very first game as an angels manager walked up to Jose Suarez and you can tell this flat out ask him, do you have this? And he said, yes, without hesitation. And he let him finish the inning. He was able to get that last out, able to get that strikeout against Trevor story, a guy that who's been really heating up as of late after a really slow start to the season. And yes, the Angels didn't go didn't go and win this game, but there was a ton of things that I felt were positive from it. And that's that was number one. And yes, you know, the the idea of a game is to win, but I felt like he laid down some foundations in this game where you can build off of. And the great part too is when he went out there to talk to Jose Suarez, the camera cut to the bullpen where Archie Bradley was warming up to come in. And when he decided to keep Suarez out there, you saw Bradley kind of nod his head a little bit saying, yeah, all right, he's got this. Kind of like, okay, he's going to let him do it. Like almost building confidence in in Archie that way. Like, okay, he's going to let guys get out of jams. So that was really, really great to see. Some other stuff that happened on this Tuesday game, Mike Trout, who has been, I don't think it is a coincidence 
that Mike Trout has gone through the worst stretch of his career batting-wise, and the Angels have gone on the longest losing streak of their team history. I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it's very easy to see, you know, Trout will take this team as far as he goes. And when he struggles, this team struggles. But he was able to get out of that slump in the top or the sorry, the bottom of the very first inning when he hits a home run and scores him and Otani and you just you can just tell how much that meant to him as far as getting that weight that I guess monkey off his back, making the score 2-0. But the White Sox would end up scoring in the top of the second, um, three runs, four runs, actually, oh yeah, three runs um, in the top of the second to take the lead. Um, but again, this game went back and forth. This game was a very exciting game. And again, too, all the games have been very exciting. They've all been one-run games until Thursday night when the Angels pulled away. And even in this game on Tuesday, Mike Trout, unfortunately hits a double and when you saw Gooby did a really good job of pointing it out on the TV when he was rounding first you can tell that something was up something um, wasn't right as he was kind of slowly jogging into second base end up being a groin issue end up getting taken out of this game and the good news is he's not in the IL the bad news is he's not playing and you just felt with the home run and double in this game already before he was taken out, that he was finally turning the corner and finally was going to break out of this. Uh, what did it get to like zero for, I want to say like 26, 27 at bats. You just had a feeling it was going to, it was going to, he was going to break out of it and go on a crazy tear. Now we as fans have to wait until he gets back healthy to see if he still is going to be able to do that, or does he get back into a slump trying to bounce back from an injury? But Joe Adele, recently called up Joe Adele, was able to take his spot out and uh, in the lineup, but uh, put in right field. And Joe, since he's been up, has done a pretty good job um, in the outfield for sure. There's a, a couple good plays in the outfield in definitely making the basic plays I think was has always been the issue with Joe. It's just make the normal basic plays, and he's been doing that. He's made a great diving catch. A um, little bit of communication issues in the outfield during one of the games this weekend or this week, but he was still able to make the catch. He was able to get an RBI double in the Tuesday game, and the Angels were able to get up late. Um, but like they have in the past, they have they were not able to hold the lead. And this game actually ended up going into extra innings. Boston was able to take advantage of the ghost runner and the angels were not. And it is something as simple as that a rule that might have, you know, if this would have happened two, three years ago, you know, maybe it goes longer and the angels are able to finally get lucky and get a base hit uh, with a guy in scoring position and score a run. But the ghost runner is the ghost runner is the rule that the, that baseball has right now. Love it or hate it, it's here for this season. But again, Angels just seems like they need some kind of a spark, some kind of a uh, like a home run. Like the Trout home run was great, and you felt that was everything was kind of turning around. But with him going out, you just wonder how much of the energy kind of got sucked out of the team and the stadium. Thinking like. 
we're already on this, you know, at that point, I believe it was like a 12 game losing streak. We're already on a huge losing streak. And now our main guy is out, you know, what else, what else can go wrong? But again, they battled in this game. Again, a one run game is just, I just, I will always feel in baseball, a one run game is a toss up. I truly believe one run games can go either way, depending on a good defensive play or a great defensive play, a batted ball that is, has a expected batting average of, you know, 100 finds a little, you know, uh, a little blooper and that's what it is. And then you have a guy come up for the other team that smokes it, but it's right at somebody. And that's kind of how this whole streak has been for the angels. And, and one of the guys I think off the top of my head is like Brandon Marsh. There's a couple times in these games where, he absolutely smoked the ball, but if it's three feet to the right or three feet to the left, it's in the gap, and he's running. But because it's right at a guy or enough to where a guy can run it down, it's an out. But he absolutely smoked the ball, and that has to be so discouraging for some of these guys that they do. They do make super good contact on the ball, but for whatever reason, it's just not falling. And then the Angels pitchers make a great pitch and the ball just barely nicks at the end of the bat and it just slowly rolls through the gap and it's just thinking to yourself like you made a great pitch you hit your spot you made him reach for a ball that was out of the zone and because that bat is two inches longer it hit the end of the bat and was able to find a fine grass and get through the infield and it's just been a very frustrating series with that and I think just an overall stretch of games because it seems like that has happened a lot but the Angels would drop uh, Tuesday's game five to six in 10 innings now you go to Wednesday's game Reed Detmers on the mound and again another very competitive very good game for the Angels again one run this whole this whole series one run games and those are so quick you can you can flip so quick and it just it didn't go the Angels' way in this series until, obviously, Thursday night. The only run would come in the top of the six when Bobby Dahlbeck would double. Um, double in Alex Verdugo, and he scores off of Jimmy Hergit. Again, making the score 1-0. And that's it. That's all the Red Sox would need because the Angels can – or we're still unable to put hits together. Um, you have hits. You have you know quite a bit of hits. You have seven hits, but just getting hits back to back to back in some instances is really hard in baseball nowadays because the, the pitchers are good. The pitchers are very, very good. You look at pitchers now compared to pitchers in, you know, ten years ago, the pitching has has definitely improved a lot. And it's just honestly hard to put um, three hits together. And in, in, in a single in a single inning, it's, it's just really hard. And the Angels again were benefiting from the long ball in the beginning of the season, and it, that just hasn't happened yet. And now, especially with this game on Wednesday, obviously, like I mentioned, you didn't have Trout, you didn't have Rendon, you didn't have uh, Ward, you didn't have Fletcher. So those are like already like four guys that you are already planning to have in your lineup at the beginning of the year and they're not there and how much of an offensive push can you get from guys that are aren't there or guys that you know who are here but have played the majority of their season in the minor leagues like yes 
you need some kind of production, but you also have to realize who you, your guys are. And people want to say, well, you know, try harder. They're not trying hard enough. I'm like, you know, that, that hustle, you know, try as hard as you can all the time and something good will happen. There's only a little bit of truth to that. You know, if you're just not to that caliber as far as being like an everyday serious contributor on MLB team, you're just not. If you're if you're going to peak at a utility once every three or four days kind of guy, that's who you are. There's nothing wrong with that shit. I wish I was that in the major league baseball. I would take that. But when you put those guys in everyday roles that they're not built for, it doesn't matter how hard you try. You know what I mean? Like, yes, you want full effort, but even full effort's only going to get you so far. If you're not that guy, you're not that guy. And I feel like that's kind of what the Angels are running into right now because you look at their lineup. Matt Duffy was never supposed to be a full-time star. Juan Lagares wasn't even on the team when when camp broke. Um, Mayfield was, you know, in in AAA. He's been up and down in AAA all season long. Kurt Suzuki is obviously a, a backup catcher. Taylor, uh, Tyler Wade is a guy that is a utility player that shouldn't probably shouldn't be playing every day. But here it is. This is the lineup. This is what it's going to be. And people want to say, wow, this lineup isn't very good. Well, guess what? There's not a whole lot of other options. It's not like the Angels are going out there saying, you know what? Let's put this lineup up because, you know, let's get these guys some reps. No, it's like we're putting these guys out there because that's who this team is right now. And that's unfortunate. But like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, your biggest thing right now is get healthy, get Trout back, get Ward back. You know, let's see how Fletcher is coming off the surgery in a couple months. You know, how is he going to contribute? Can Rendon get back? And I think you could say what you want about Rendon's offense because there's not a whole lot you can do to um, defend him in that because he has struggled since he's been with the Angels. But the one thing, the one thing that has been a constant has been his defense. And I don't know about everyone else if you're listening and watching and all that stuff. When a ball gets hit to third base right now, whether it's Duffy at third base, Wade at third base, Mayfield at third base, I do not feel comfortable as far as them being able to make a throw to throw a guy out, especially if that guy running has above average speed. So you can say what you want about Rendon and the money issue and whatever he's making, and I I can't argue with that, but I do feel a lot better with this defense when he's out there. And that's one of the things that also has been slipping with the Angels during this streak is that defensively, they have not been as sharp as they were in the beginning of the year. And obviously, Rendon helps that. You can say what you want about his bat, but I guarantee you he's no worse at the plate than a uh, Jack Mayfield or a Matt Duffy at a at certain point. So, you know, Rendon is also a big part of this and people don't want to admit it because they don't he, they think he's overpaid and he's not worth his contract. But you got to get over that because that's not going to change as much as much as you want to bitch and complain about it is does he make the team better and 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 he does regardless of what his payroll number is he makes this team better and that's exactly what the angels need right now they need guys to make this team better and he's one of the guys when he's healthy he makes this team you know better defensively and hopefully you just have to hope offense uh, offensively his numbers come around you've seen with Rendon he does seem to be a kind of a streaky guy now when he was with the nationals he was more consistent you can kind of depend on what he was going to get you day in and day out now since he's been with the angels it's kind of been in streaks there is times where he's 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 hit very very well in like a three or four game stretch where he's getting those extra bases he's getting on base and then there's ones where you know a series and a half where he just really struggles maybe only puts up a couple of hits throughout a series but again 
you have to ask yourself, does he make this team better regardless of the pay of the, of the number? And people want to bitch and complain about that. That's not changing. Again, you can't trade him. It's too much money. You either can sit there and, and cry about it, or you can just ask yourself, well, does he make the team better? And I guarantee you the answer is yes, he does make this team better. But the Angels would end up dropping this game 1-0 to Boston. Again, another one-run game that certain things, if gone right, gone different, would definitely change the outcome of this game. You're talking about two errors, one from Mayfield and one from Wade. Guys that, let's be honest, probably should be in AAA right now. If everyone's healthy, I don't think those guys are on the roster. But you kind of have to make do with what you got. And unfortunately, they were not able to put any runs on the board in this game. Reed Detmers ends up starting this game going four and a third innings with three hits, two walks, one strikeout. And that's one thing I've noticed besides besides Otani and besides uh, Sandoval, it seems like the Angels pitchers, starting pitchers, are really lacking like an, a, a good, consistent out pitch. There's been a lot of times where I've, I've seen like the starting pitchers get up 0-2 on, on batters. And but because they have a lack of like a straight up uh, put away pitch, these guys are able to foul balls off, work the count. Now it's zero and two. When now it's two and two or or full count, and that that definitely hurts pitch counts when you look at some of these pitchers. I mean, Reed Detmers went didn't even get out of the fifth inning, but yet his pitch count was still up in the eighty five. So yes, it's not a hundred, but you got to look at it this way: eighty five in that short of a of a of a time span inning span is high leverage and maybe probably a little more you know taxing on the arm than if you threw 85 over six innings so you have to think that in mind and when you got taken out people want to talk about how you know and i said it where um nevin let suarez finish the game but but suarez had two outs with one on detmers had one out with two guys on to me, that's a completely different scenario. That's a completely different um, outcome. So when Nevin took Detmers out, I thought that was the right move at the right time. And Archie Bradley did come in and able to strike out one and get another guy to uh, roll over, I believe, and uh, ground out. So that was a great move by Nevin. Again, he's come out and said that he is looking to get relievers more, clean innings meaning he wants the starters to get out of jams when necessary and let the bullpen guys come in at the beginning of the inning to start fresh and not have them worry about i'm I'm in a game with you know one out and a guy on third and i have to worry about not letting that guy on third score so that's a different philosophy from madden obviously madden would put his bullpen guys in whole bunch of different situations one out two on two outs bases loaded and you know uh, bases loaded no outs like he would put his bullpen guys in ton of different situations so that's one of the things too we'll see how this plays out with phil nevin going forward how he manages this bullpen again first time manager in the major league level so there are going to be some growing pages there are going to be some questionable calls just because he's learning through it right now um, at the driver's seat of of the Angels. And you can't expect them to be perfect every time, especially your first time through. So, But I did like that. I did like that that switch right there from Detmers to, to Bradley. And again, unfortunately, Jimmy Hergit was not able to – he was able to have a good 
a first or his first inning, his second inning of work, I believe, was when he gave up that hit that ended up scoring uh, the run. But Jimmy Hurkett has been great so far this year, and you, you know you you would put him in that situation ten out of ten times, and hopefully, you know what happened on Wednesday only happens one time out of that ten. Andrew Wants has come up. He's done. He's done really well. He went two innings, uh, only giving up two hits in uh, in his appearance in this game. But again, the Angels are very limited right now as far as who they can play in the outfield, and the offense has definitely shown that. Today's episode of the All Angels Podcast is brought to you by SportsStream, your digital water cooler. SportsStream is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and hate your favorite team. A rising tide floats all boats, so go check them out online and on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. Spelled like sports drink without the vowels. So let's get to Thursday night. Obviously, this losing streak has been a huge part of the Angels' Uh, season already and the season's not even over this this losing streak will go down in history because it is the longest losing streak in angels history but not only that it's just not something you see every day a team 10 games above 500 going on a losing streak like that everyone loved it was kind of funny i thought that everyone loved when the national media started really paying attention to the angels during their hot stretch and you know they're only a game and a half out of first place in the AL West from the Astros. And everyone was like, Oh, so-and-so's commenting on it or so-and-so's talking about it on, on a national level. And then this streak happens and they're still in the national talk, but on the bad end. And now hopefully again, with this victory, they're able to turn around and get some, uh, victories underneath their belt. And it started on, uh, Thursday night with Shohei Otani on the mound. Another guy that has, like I mentioned with Noah Syndergaard at the beginning of the series, another guy that you feel really comfortable on the mound after he has kind of a blow-up game like he had in New York. He is one of those guys that is very, very, very rare that you see him have two games back-to-back where he just struggles. And if you remember last time he faced the uh, Boston in Boston. He had a very, very good pitching game for sure. And he didn't disappoint in this game on so many levels, uh, put it that way. But the Red Sox would end up scoring first on a Bobby Dahlback sack fly uh, to make the score 1-0. And that's kind of a show haze. I'm not going to say his only time with with uh, stress innings, but the only time where they didn't score off of him in those stress innings because he really turned it up when he needed to be hitting 101 on the radar guard, I think twice, but very regularly sitting around 99, 98 with his fastball. And he does, and, and people know this, but he does, he does an unbelievable job of ramping up the velo when he needs to, when he knows that there's a guy on second or a guy on third, and he needs to get a strikeout. And that's exactly what he did in this game. But that was the top of the fifth. And the best way to give yourself uh, the opportunity to win a game is to do what Shohei Otani does right here and puts the Angels up. Drives that one. Hit well. Shohei Otani has done it. He's back in the saddle. 2-1 Angels. 
So just like that, Shohei gives himself a lead on the mound. And it would stay that way all the way to the bottom of the six when Andrew Velasquez squid. And at this point in in this stretch, he was also 0 for 24 or 23. He comes to the plate up a couple times during this game already and was not able to hit, uh, get that crucial clutch hit, if you will. And a lot of people were ripping him or asking why he's still up with the team. And honestly, it's because of his defense. You were never you were never going to ask this guy to produce offensively with a healthy team. And now that the team is, you know, decimated with injuries right now, I don't think it's fair for for people to look at him or look at certain guys and be like, "Hey, you need to pick up your offensive um slack, if you will." Because if he was able to do that before, he would have. You know what I mean? So he is a guy that's in there to save runs. And he did that earlier in this game, making a play, throw to the home the home to save a run. He did it again with a great play to throw to first to get a guy out that I think he is literally the only guy on this team that can do it because of his speed and because of his arm. So this guy saves runs, and I understand people love to look at the offensive numbers and see his batting average and see what he does what he does with runs of scoring position, and that's only part of the game. This guy is great defensively, and I think just like so many other guys on this team, there is so much pressure on them to be that guy that gets the team out of this little slump. And yes, you're pressing, and yes, maybe you're trying a little too hard. And like I mentioned before, I, was, I did an Instagram Live earlier this week on the way home. What Velasquez has been very, very good at is taking that very first pitch of the at-bat and putting it in play. So much so, now it feels like pitchers know that and they're not giving him anything to hit on that first pitch. And now he's out down 0-1. And now it's up to him to make that adjustment, to make it that you work the count maybe a little bit more. This guy is not ever going to be a huge offensive power. Like, I don't know if people want him to be or whatever, but you got to understand this guy's game, and this guy's game isn't offensively driven. It is defensively driven, and I think he's done a very good job of that so far this year. And this at bat, he was able to get the count to a 1-2 count, and he does this. That was driven to right field. That ball is hit well. So again, another huge moment by a player that you have to be feeling good for them. And there's a video of him and Jared Walsh like hugging it out in the in the dugout after this home run. And it just seems like for the both the guys, Velasquez and Walsh, it just seems like they're finally able to exhale because this put the lead at five, the one. And you just felt like, okay, we're not going to make the same mistakes we made in the past as far as blowing this uh, four-run lead like they did against, uh, I believe it was the A's and Philadelphia. And you just hope that they were able to hold on to it at home. And the Red Sox would end up scoring one more run in the eighth inning to make it five to two. But Rossell Iglesias comes in, shuts it down in the ninth inning, and the Angels were finally able to get a W after a 14-game losing streak. But this game showed that you don't have to worry 
about bunting guys over or doing that. This team is only going to go as far as their power takes them. And you might not like the way that sounds or you might not dis- might not agree with that philosophy and that's fine. But you cannot force a philosophy on a team that's not built for that. This team isn't built to be sack button every which way or slap button or button for hits or anything like that. This team is built to go yard. This b- team is built for extra base hits. That's just the way this team's built. When it's fully healthy, you have again, you have Walsh, you have Ward, you have Otani, you have uh Trout, you know, Rendon. That's five guys right there. That this is how it's built. To go yard, extra base hits. You know, so again, that bunting and all that stuff worked years ago and that's fine. But you got to look how this team is built. You cannot put a square peg in a round hole. But the Angels end up winning on Thursday night, getting Phil Nevin his very first victory as a uh, MLB manager. And I'm sure for him, that had to feel really, really good to get that uh, weight off his shoulders. I'm sure the whole team felt like the weight off their shoulders. And Otani had an absolute gem of a game uh, on Thursday night. Going, again, two for four with that two-run home run, but also pitching a great, great game. Going seven innings, four hits, one earned run, walk two, six strikeouts. Tapera comes in. Iglesias comes in. All of them pitch. Both of them pitch an inning. Tapera gives up that one run, but for the most part, everything was shut down, and the Angels finally are able to get back in the win column. And then you look, again, you look at the scores in this series. One run, one run, one run, and then the Angels win by three. So they have been close. They have been very close. This whole 14-game stretch of losses, I believe Jeff Fletcher from the OC Register put out that I think six or seven of those games have come in down to one run, one run games. Just like if a team wins a ton of one, like I said before, if a team wins a ton of one run games, I don't necessarily think that's like a skill that you can win at a one run games. I think that is part luck and, 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 and part good play, but I don't think it's something that you can depend on every single game that you're going to pull it out for one uh, and a one run game. And I think same way for the angels. I don't think you can have the mentality that oh one run game. We're going to lose like, no, you know, they kind of tend to even themselves out as the season goes on, but great, great outing, great victory. Finally, it just feels like Fans, I'm sure, feel like they can finally breathe. And that's exactly what uh, hopefully this turns the team around and is able to get some victories against the team. Coming into Angel Stadium next, the New York Mets. Let me talk about our next sponsor, ColorCast. ColorCast is a live, audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and free to use. Talk to fans, athletes, and interact in real time, perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in the iOS App Store. Create a profile and link your Twitter. That's all. Come with your spectacular takes. So the New York Mets are coming to town uh, into Anaheim Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The Mets right now after their game on, I believe they're actually off on Thursday, but right now they sit at 
38 and 21, six and a half games up on the NL East. And the Angels right now are sitting at 28 and 31, nine games out of first place in the West. But with the with the victory over Boston, they are now two and a half games out of that last wild card spot, which is again opens everything up again. You know, if this was a couple of years ago, you might be saying there's no way this team makes a playoff. But that third wild card slot changes a lot. So now going to uh, the pitching matchups for this series uh, against the Mets. Friday's game, you're probably listening to this on Friday. Friday night's game is going to be on Apple+. Plus. I know that's probably not the best news for a lot of Angel fans, but it's going to be on Apple+, Plus exclusively. So if you're looking for the game, Definitely don't turn the ballys. That sucks. That's not going to be there. But check out uh, Apple Plus for the Angel game on Friday night. You right now the Angels have it as TBD, but Jonathan um, uh, Jonathan Diaz was taken out or or scratched. I should probably say a better word for it is scratched out of his AAA start um, today. So there's a good chance he will make that start on Friday as the TBD against the Mets. And then on Saturday, the Angels will, I believe I heard them talk about it on the broadcast on Thursday night, they will be playing in their City Connect uniforms that made the debut earlier this week amongst the Joe Madden news, amongst the uh, losing streak. The City Connect jerseys officially came out, officially went on sale, officially made their debut on social media and all that stuff. And Saturday will be the game that they make their on-field debut. And you've already seen uh, the pictures, obviously, of the City Connect. You probably have already seen people wearing them around Angels Stadium because they are on sale at the Big A or online. Or you can be like me, and I just bought the hat online and hopefully will be here Monday before the Dodger game, uh, uh, that's Dodger series that starts on Tuesday. But on Saturday, you're going to have Michael Lorenzen versus uh, Cookie Carrasco for the Mets. And we'll see how that plays out. Lorenzen does seems to do better at home than he does on the road. And hopefully he was able to go pitch for pitch right now with the Mets. The Mets have lost the last two games in a row. Um, they are kind of dealing with a little bit of injury issues as well. I, I believe Pete Alonso got hit by a pitch. I'm not sure if he's available. Sterling Marte, um, I thought they said was going to go on the IL. Turns out he's not on the IL, but he's still kind of day-to-day, kind of like Trout is. So that's going to be a big issue too in the next coming series is does Trout get back healthy? Do some of the key Mets come back healthy as well? But that's going to be Saturday, and I believe Saturday is back to the normal uh, – Bally Sports West Series. And then you have Sunday night. A lot of people were hoping for Noah Syndergaard to pitch on Sunday night against his old team, the Mets, on Sunday night baseball on ESPN. But that is not what's happening. You have Taiwan Walker, who the Angels know very well from his time up in Seattle, versus Patrick Sandoval. And again, this is going to be on ESPN um, exclusively Sunday night, 4 o'clock start. And I absolutely Love this. Love this pitching decision. It came out that Phil Nevin said that he's just going to give Noah Syndergaard an extra couple days and he's going to start Tuesday against the Dodgers. 
But why I love this so much is that he didn't fall into the narrative that like, oh, we have to put Noah Syndergaard out there because it's the Mets. You know, it's, it's great TV and that's going to what people want. He's, and Phil Nevin was, no, I feel like we need to give him an extra day or two days and we're going to do that. We don't care if it's the Mets on primetime baseball. And I like it too because Patrick Sandoval is one of the best pitchers out there that I think a lot of people don't know about, especially nationwide. If he's able to come out Sunday night and throw one of his really good games and get a bunch of swing and misses on that changeup, his stock around this time, especially now because we're talking about all-star voting and uh, just getting your name out for stuff like that, like all-star games, will go way up. So I like this pitching move so much on so many different levels that I'm worried about Noah Syndergaard if he did start on Sunday, maybe trying to grip the ball a little tighter, trying to do too much against his old team to prove that he wasn't damaged goods or wasn't, you know, that he should have been still there given a better contract or anything like that. I love this move for that. And I love the fact that you're going to see a young Patrick Sandoval, hopefully fingers crossed, knock on wood, make his look at me now debut on ESPN national televised game of the week. And I, I hope for Patrick because you know it's in him you know what he's capable of doing you know what kind of pitchy pitcher he is and if he's able to put a, a great game together on Sunday with everyone watching that's going to be great for him that's gonna be great for his 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 you know I don't want to say I guess brand but just getting another angel out there getting respect from the outside world seeing that wow this guy is good will be absolutely awesome and I cannot wait for that Sunday night baseball game and then after the Sunday night baseball game, I will be recording another edition of the podcast talking about the Mets uh, series and going into an off day on Monday before they play the Dodgers. So hopefully the Angels are able to get maybe one or two games against the Mets and don't fall back into the mode of, oh my God, we lost another couple games. We have to start pressing because we can't afford to go, you know, we can't afford to lose three or four games in a row because of the hole they kind of already dug themselves in. So this series should be fun. The Mets are a very good team. And again, they've been on the West Coast for a little while. So hopefully they're itching to get back home and they're just kind of tired and are running on fumes right now because uh, I believe the Padres took took it to them pretty well in the last series down there in San Diego. So something that we've been wanting to do and we have for last podcast was take your voicemail calls and play them on the podcast. And if you want to do that, if you want to leave a voicemail and it could be a question, comment, or anything like that, go ahead and call anytime 951-384-0810. It will be in the description below of the podcast. Again, it's open 24 hours a day. Leave your voicemail and be played on the next podcast, just like this one from Phil. Yeah, this is Phil. I'm calling from West Covina. Um, I just want to say that uh, as much as I love Mike Trout, he is the leader of this club. Albert Pujols is gone, and you could see he doesn't do anything to motivate these guys, at least what we're getting to see. He looks actually really like down in the dumps for whatever reason besides his slump, but he needs to step up. He's the face of baseball. He's getting paid a lot of money, and he is the veteran in that clubhouse on that team now that's i just wanted to say that all right phil thank you very much for that voicemail again if you want to leave your voicemail go ahead and call in 951-384-0810 
Yeah. Um, I love Mike Trout too. And that's always been a, a question of mine is how much of a leader is he? We know what he does on the field. And that is a form of a leader as far as look at what I can do. Look what my performance is and, and do what I do. But I just, I don't see him as a get in your face kind of leader. And I think there is a little bit of a balance between the two. You do need, you know, even if, if one guy isn't both, you might need a couple guys to, to you know, good cop, bad cop kind of deal. And obviously Trout's not the guy that's going to get in, in a dude's face and um, ask questions as far as why is he putting in the extra work or why he's late for treatment or anything like that. But hopefully there is some kind of a leadership, you know, someone steps up in that leadership void. It's really hard right now because a lot of your key guys are younger. Um, besides Trout, you know, is it Otani? Is it, you know, you can't really say Rendon because he hasn't played a lot with the team. You can't really say guys like Syndergaard, Tapera, or or some of those guys because they just got there this uh, season. And I don't know if it's if you can do that. If you can just walk through the doors and be like, I'm a leader. It's going to have to be someone that has been there for a while and that also can back up their play. So, yeah, I think the leadership thing from Trout is definitely a question, and we'll have to see how that kind of plays out more and more as the season goes or, you know, who else kind of steps up as a co-leader, if you will. And hopefully that helps this team get to where it needs to get to as far as um, a serious playoff run towards the end of the year. So we'll see how that goes. Um but that's going to pretty much wrap it up for this edition of the All Angels Podcast. Great, great game. Finally, the streak's over. Finally, the Angels are able to put a W on the board and finally are able to kind of exhale and relax. So make sure you follow us on our social media feeds. That's Halo underscore Haven, both on Twitter and on Instagram, as well as, um, like I mentioned, the voicemail. Oh, anytime, anywhere, call in, leave a voicemail, uh, 951-384-0810. But hopefully we have more and more good news to talk about on Sunday night after the Mets and Angels play on Sunday night baseball on ESPN. So I am your host, Daniel Garcia, and this has been another edition of the All Angels Podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.